the teams you care about. Mac Jones is good. That's not the question. The question is, is he good enough to win repeatedly in this loaded AFC? The stories that matter to you. If I'm Xander Bogarts, I need three things in order to get over that insulting contract offer. This is your home for New England sports. Jason Tatum, superstar, book it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEVAM FM and WDEVRadio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show back at it on a Thursday, a soon-to-be, maybe already is rainy Thursday here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. On the text line, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury, 802-585-3026. Let me know if it's raining where you are. I have no windows in here. I don't know if it's raining in Waterbury. It looked gray at the last commercial break. I have no idea. Is it raining where you are? I would love to know. I'm curious. Short show today up until 6-10. Then the Red Sox take on the Guardians. Game four of this four-game set at Fenway Park. Losing yesterday. Sox now four games back in the wild card. They were four and a half entering the day, but the Rays have already lost today, so they picked up a half game. So four and a half back now, or four and a half back entering today. I get four back right now of the final wild card spot. We're going to catch up with Buster Olney of ESPN at 545. We do that every Thursday. We're going commercial-free on this short show until 6. So we'll have some commercials after 6, but commercial-free until 6 o'clock here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM. A couple of people already getting in on the text line, not about the rain. Ben Attendee is going to make the Red Sox pay for how they dispatched him to KC. They could still use him looking at Jackie Bradley Jr.'s stats. Uh, it is raining in Williston, they say. Look, Ben Attendee's having a good year. Ben Attendee is only a singles hitter. Okay, Ben Attendee is only a singles hitter. He's going to make the Yankees better. He's what they need. Let's not act like he is what the Red Sox need. The Red Sox need some power. They could use some average. I get it. But Ben Attendee offers the Red Sox no power. The Yankees need his contact still skills. So I'm going to be pained to see Ben Attendee playing for the Yankees. I don't necessarily wish that Ben Attendee was still playing for the Red Sox. Rich in Starksboro. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, Rich in Starksboro says, talk about Norwich sports. Bottom line is this. Talk about Norwich. It's a long message, and that's fine. It's a beautiful message, uh, or a beautifully written message, I should say, saying that uh, I should talk more about Norwich sports. We talked to Cam Ellsworth every single week during the hockey season on the Midday News Service. I bring on people from Norwich when in season. I could do a better job. I can. I always can do a better job. But I don't forget that Norwich exists. We had Frank Pecora, Norwich baseball coach, on this year, who I used to coach with. I used to work at Norwich. I love Norwich. So, uh, all right, let's get right to it. Short show. We got Buster in 12 minutes. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we Go. Opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. They are Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I want to start here. You know, I think I had a tease today that said we were going to talk about the Patriots game two at training camp. I had a Patriots segment planned. I had to blow it out. Maybe we'll get to it tomorrow. I had to start here. On Monday... I did not have an answer to this question. Now, today, I believe I do. The Red Sox should go in nearly 
full sell mode as we hit the trade deadline. They should go in nearly full sell mode, but it comes with one big caveat. The Red Sox, in my mind, should sell off players that are on one-year deals that are veterans that they can move. But they need to hold on to Xander Bogarts, and they need to go directly to Bogarts and to Rafael Devers and tell them that they plan to reinvest in this team this offseason. I believe this season is now a lost cause. The Red Sox, I do not believe, are going to make the playoffs, and I do not believe that even if they sneak in, they're going to do any damage. They will have expended so much energy just to get there that I don't think they're going to have any juice left by the playoffs. So I believe that this is now a lost cause. The Red Sox are four back now the final wild card. They have the fourth hardest schedule in baseball remaining from this point forward. The teams they're chasing, like Chicago and Seattle, have the second and fifth easiest schedules. I think Cleveland has the ninth easiest schedule. There's now too many teams to jump at this point. Your schedule is too tough. It's just not going to happen. And your final full series before the trade deadline is against Milwaukee. That's a first-place team in the Milwaukee Brewers. And you've got, you've got Bayo, Pavetta, and Winkowski going on the mound in those three games. I think with those pitching matchups, I think you'll lose at least two of three against the Brewers. You'll fall even further behind. And then you go to Houston, who's awesome, and you'll probably get blasted there. I just don't think this is a stretch where the Red Sox will endear themselves to ownership so that ownership will buy. So three days ago, I didn't have an answer to this. Today, I'm telling you, I think the Red Sox should go nearly full sell mode. I'd trade Nathan Avaldi, a veteran on an expiring contract. I'd try to get something. I'd trade J.D. Martinez, a veteran on an expiring contract. I tried to get something. I'd trade Rich Hill and Michael Walker if anyone wants them for down the stretch. Hill is scheduled to throw a rehab uh, start here soon. I think for double A, he's going to throw a couple of innings coming up here. If, if people want them in anticipation of their health, I would trade them as well. I'd trade Rob Refsnyder if somebody wants him. I'd trade Christian Vasquez if somebody wants him. Pretty much anybody who's on a one-year deal, I would move at this point, with the exception of Xander Bogarts. I'd move them all. And then I would go right to Bogarts and to Devers and to their representation, and I would tell them that we are reinvesting dollars this offseason, that this team is not gutting the roster as a cost-saving uh, a cost-saving matter. They are gutting the roster because it's the best way to reinfuse young talent into our roster. Tell them, show them, make them believe that you are willing to invest in this roster and get back to contention again as soon as possible. I don't really care what the fans think about a sell-off. That doesn't really bother me. It doesn't If the fans are crying because you got rid of J.D. Martinez, I don't care. If the fans have the pitchforks at high and bloom because you got rid of Evaldi, I don't care. I do care what my players think. And specifically, I care what Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers think. I want to lock them up. Ownership has said they want to lock them up. If that is true, then you need to go to them and make sure they are understanding of your vision. Because Bogart's endeavors, they might already be miffed at you because of the contract offers you've given them. 
If you trade away the roster, you're going to give them reason to be more miffed at you. I need them to not be miffed at you. Go to them. Tell them the plan. Hey, we're getting rid of Martinez and Evaldi. Hey, we could sign them again next year potentially. They're free agents. We could bring them back. Yankees a couple years ago traded Araldis Chapman for Glaber Torres and then re-signed Chapman in the offseason. There's no saying the Red Sox can't do that. Red Sox could bring back Christian Vasquez. Red Sox could bring back Nathan Evaldi. Red Sox could re-sign J.D. Martinez if they want to. Tell Bogart's endeavors, make them believe that you are in this to win this and there is a method to trading players away. The Red Sox, it's not going to happen for this year. But I want it to happen in the future. And I want it to happen with Bogarts, and I want it to happen with Devers. And you've got to keep them in good graces. You've got to be in their good graces as well. So trade away who you've got to trade away. But don't let them get sour on what exactly you are doing here. You have to get the point across to them that this is still a place they want to be long term, and this is still a place where they can win. This is still a place where they can win. Uh, Virginia says, screw Xander, it's Marcelo time. Yeah, Marcelo Meyer's not going to be here for like three years, so four years, so that, that doesn't matter. One says, honestly, I'm ready for baseball to be done so we can get an hour and a half of the Brady Farkas show instead of 40 minutes. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I can say this. I love baseball. I'm not ready for baseball to end. But I am ready for hour and a half shows again. Next week, Red Sox, all 8 o'clock starts. So we got a full show, all 90 minutes, all next week. Red Sox are in Houston for three days. Actually, the Wednesday game is a day game, but we're still going to be on long on the backside. And then they're in Kansas City at the end of the week, I believe. So long shows all next week. Um, Steve says, just left Burlington. Absolutely pouring. Shelburne the same. Heinsberg a little bit better. Okay. And then uh, another text says, if the Red Sox fail to sign Bogarts in the offseason or before then, it's going to be a tremendous failure to get nothing for him except a compensatory draft pick. I hope the Red Sox management is being truthful. I wonder what Buster says on this. We're going to we're gonna ask Buster about the Bogart situation. I would rather keep Bogarts and take my chances with him in the offseason. Yes, you do risk losing him for nothing. You do. And I'd like to make a better offer to him now, frankly. But you you run the risk of losing him. I don't want I can't I got the fan backlash from Mookie Betts. I can't get it from Xander Bogarts. I said I don't care what the fans think. I don't care about what they think about JD or Rivaldi or Vasquez. Bogarts I do. If I'm ownership, I gotta care about that. I've seen it with Mookie. I saw it with Lester years ago. I can't do it with Bogarts where I lose him like this. If, he, if they offer him a good deal and he turns it down, then fine in the offseason. I can't have it. I can't get rid of him early right now. And then real quick, Buster is going to be getting here in a couple of moments. We talked a little bit about this earlier in the year, but it's hitting me again now pretty strongly. The more I think about it, the more bad that last year actually was for this organization. It was really fun for the fans. It was bad for the organization. Last year gave a false sense of hope 
and it created this falsity that the Red Sox were actually closer than they were, and it created unnecessary expectations for everybody. Chaim Bloom inherited a situation in 2020 that wasn't all that good. Sox were predictably awful that year. If in 2021 they had won 77 games last year, and then this year they had won 85, would we be bitching about everything? No, we'd be calling an improvement. But last year they win 90 games or whatever, so this year's 83 to 85 is going to seem like a massive letdown. I think last year was the outlier. Frankly, at this point, I wish the Red Sox had just won 77 games last year so that this year could have been a step in the positive direction rather than a downturn. Last year was the outlier. The Red Sox had an immense amount of luck last season. Hardly no injuries. Injuries to a lot of their competitors' best players. Remember, George Springer was out for a lot of last year for Toronto. Yankees were missing everybody. Blue Jays didn't have a home. They were an orphan around around two countries for the whole season. I mean, you saw a lot of teams have COVID outbreaks, injuries that the Red Sox didn't have and capitalized on. Red Sox season last year was a fairy tale, and it created a bigger sense of expectation for this year that I wish wasn't there. It was a false sense of competitiveness. It was a blast, and it was fun. But if, if, if High and Bloom came in here and we said, hey, it's a three- or four-year plan to get this team back to the World Series, 2020 COVID year, horrific. 2021, 77 wins. 2022, 83, 85 wins. 2023, boom, we're ready to go. I don't think we'd be caring all that much. But last year, because they, they capitalized on some breaks and get some good fortune and win 90, now this year looks like a massive disappointment. This is probably what we expected them to be last year, right? This is real life in baseball. You deal with injuries, you deal with issues, and it's hard to overcome. And the Red Sox aren't good enough to overcome it. So last year, I think, overall for the organization, was not necessarily great. And I feel bad saying that because of how fun it was, and we all rode the wave together, and unexpected success is always fun. Not great from the management perspective. The fans went into this year with a different sense of reality than probably we should have. This is what I was expecting last year. Last year we got the gift. This one is reality. Okay. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. We're going to talk with Buster Olney here in a second, so let's get ready to cue up Buster Olney's music, everybody. We're going to ask Buster. Peter wants to know what Buster thinks about Bogart. So, you know what? Let's do it. Let's get ready to get Buster on the phone here. This is the Brady Farkas. We're not go- We're not taking a break. We're just playing the Buster music here. Get Buster on the phone. So, hit me the Buster music, everybody, in three, two, one, and then let's call Buster. All the insight into everything going on in baseball. It's time for our weekly conversation with ESPN Baseball Insider and Vermont native, Buster Olney. I'm just about ready to bet the family farm in Vermont. On the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, I do want to get to Buster Olney, our ESPN MLB Insider. Buster is on the phone line with us now. Buster, I missed you last week when I was on vacation, but I saw a lot of you because I was watching the Jeter doc, the captain that's on ESPN. I saw you working at the Home Run Derby. Before we get to the Red Sox, let me fanboy out for the Mariners for one question here. You're working the Home Run Derby. Mariners rookie Julio Rodriguez hits 81 home runs. 
goes to the Home Run Derby Finals. I got to think that was your first time seeing Julio in person. What was that like? I will defer to someone with a lot more baseball expertise than I have, and that would be Mr. Mookie Betts. Uh, you know, I was working the home run derby on the sidelines, and I saw Mookie cross over from the first base side uh, of Dodger Stadium to the third base side in the midst of Julio's round of, of uh, you know, first round of, of the derby. And uh, this is when Julio, you know, took a break, and Mookie walked up to him and said something to him, and he had this big grin on his face as he walked away with his daughter. I'm guessing he's about two years old. And, and I stopped him, and I said, hey, what would you say to him? And he goes, I told him to keep it going. And then Mookie looked at me. He said, this is the first time I've seen him in person. Oh, my God. That's Mookie Betts. If you can impress Mookie Betts in that way, that's saying something. I think what jumped out at everybody, uh, you know, first, of course, the athleticism, how big he is, how fast he is, how strong he is. But then there's the personality which just jumps off the page. And already, you know, even before the end of the night, when we're in the the van going back to the hotel after the derby coverage, we were talking about next year. You know, we were like, all right, we got the derby in Seattle next year, and we know who's going to be the star (laughs) of that event. And that would be Mr. Julio Rodriguez. He he made a strong impression upon everybody. And I would assume uh, that'll only grow after he wins the Rookie of the Year in the American League. You know, they have a different body type, but there's a reasonable comparison between Julio Rodriguez and Mike Trout. You know, came up early, top prospect, power speed combo. I can only hope that Julio grows into Mike Trout, but we've got bad news yesterday on Mike Trout. He's got this back issue with a medical condition that I can't pronounce, but bottom line is his vertebrae is screwed up, and they're talking about it might be career-altering for him. How worried should baseball fans be in general about the Trout news that came down yesterday. You mentioned the name of it. Thank God uh, that you didn't try to pronounce it. I'm not <laughs> going to try to pronounce it. Um, I will say, and I, you know, I'm under, I'm in a wait and see moment because the moment that that, you know, news came out that their athletic trainer mentioned that this is something this is he might have to manage the rest of his career. You know, everyone was on high alert in baseball, and I made phone calls to the Angels organization. What I got back was, yeah, maybe our trainer. Uh, went a little too far in terms of, uh, you know, giving out the name because the name just sounds daunting. Um, what the, what I got back from the Angels was he's going to come back this year. Like we we don't we don't think it's something that he's not going to be able to manage. He just got a cortisone shot. They think he'll be okay there. They think he's okay next year. Um, and they don't, you know, according to the source I was talking with, like Trout, when he saw the big uh, uproar over what the athletic trainer said, Trout was kind of laughing. Mm. Like, really? Like, that's the conversation that, you know, uh, my career might be, uh, you know, significantly changed. Uh, I, you know, from what I understand, he's not buying it. Uh, so we'll see. It obviously is a big deal because, A, Mike Trout, you know, the, the beginning of his career arguably makes him the, you know, the best player that we've ever seen in the first 10 years of his career. But also, he's owed about $300 million for the next eight years. So the Angels have had, uh, you know, such. Um, I, I don't even want to say luck because they, they made a lot of their own bad luck, but who've had a lot of issues 
go on to hold them down, this is something they're going to be watching very closely. Well, I hope that you are right. I hope that he is right because certainly Mike Trout is a joy to watch and we want to watch him play healthy as long as we can. We're talking with Buster Olney, our ESPN MLB insider with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Okay, let's get to the Red Sox. They lose again yesterday. They're 49-50. and 50. They're, they're in last place. Before we talk about the trade deadline, you know, Alex Cora... And I was watching the ne- the Nesson post game show yesterday. It was Tom Karen, it was Ellis Burks, and they made this point. Alex Cora survived in Major League Baseball for as long as he did because he did all the little things well. He he just did all the little details. So it's really jarring to see a team managed by him really struggle at those little details. Three airs yesterday. They had three airs against Toronto a couple of games ago. How did they get so bad fundamentally? All you know over the last two and a half three weeks. Well, um, I mean, let's face it, some of the choices they've made uh, with the various uh, positions. You know, during last year, as you know, before Bobby Dalbeck took off, uh, first base was an issue for them. It was an issue defensively pretty much the whole year. You know, Bobby got better as the year went along. Um, but they came into this year, they passed on Schwarber. And when you look back at it, you know, as we talk about, you know, what's going on with the Red Sox, the fact that they passed on Schwarber for that price, for less than what they offered, and if you see saw what he signed, uh, you know, with the Phillies for at this moment for the Red Sox, that must feel like, oh my God, <laughs> we would love to have that contract. We would love to have Kyle Schwarber because of the type of player that he is, um, and they have just perpetually left first base as a poor defensive position, and it's a little bit surprising because, uh, as you say. I mean, I've worked with Alex. I know Alex, and you're right. Alex, you know, is all about button button downing, uh, buttoning down uh, different parts of the game. And when you have Devers, who is, uh, you know, has gotten much better defensively, but he's an imperfect third baseman. And you have Bogarts, who's a, who's uh, fine, but he's an imperfect shortstop. It's been a surprise that they didn't go out and get somebody who's really good defensively at first base. Um, and that cost them time and time and time again. You know, with some of the outfield stuff, um, we'll go back and look and see the Hunter Renfro trade and kind of scratch our head. Hunter Renfro was a really good major league player. And, you know, they traded him for Jackie Bradley Jr., who's a good defender, but, you know, hasn't hit it all the last few years. And from what I understand, the prospects they got in that deal are not doing well. So I, I think a lot of it is his roster construction. It has not gone well. There's no doubt about it. Do we think the Red Sox are bad or can we write this off as they are so injured that it's just been impossible for them to overcome? I mean, look, they have played poorly, but when you take away, you know, four fifths of your rotation for a good chunk of time and you take away your your starting third baseman, your starting second baseman, it would be difficult to overcome what they've had to overcome. Can we can we use the injuries as an excuse or is it just that an excuse? I think it's a, a bit of an excuse. I, I think that absolutely, I mean, the injuries are real and to lose those players, you know, and to not, to be sitting here uh, where we are and, and to know that Chris Sale barely got out of the gate, right? Uh, and, and, you know, made minimal appearances and he's the highest paid guy in your roster in average annual salary. That's a big deal. You can't overstate that. But on the other hand, there have been a lot of things that they bet on that just haven't gone right. Um, and I do wonder, you know, and I, I've talked to people around the team about that. You know, the fact that, um, you know, the Red Sox have had so much conversation about contracts and, 
you know, Xander Bogarts and the embarrassing contract extension they offered him and the future of Devers, you know, the fact that they used, according to Alex Spear, a great reporter for the Boston Globe, uh, you know, Matt Olson is a comp for Devers. That, that made people in other front offices laugh. Mm. Like, you know, Matt Olson's a great player. He's an all-star. He ain't Rafi Devers when you're talking about a hitter. And you wonder how much of that has gone into what's going on this year. It, just, it felt really unsettled from the first day of spring training. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB Insider, with us as he is every Thursday here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Let's get to the trade deadline. We're just days away from it. Um, you know, some people want the Red Sox to buy. Some want them to sell. Some want them to do a hybrid approach. I tend to think they probably are going to do more of the hybrid approach, buy here, yeah. sell there. You reported earlier earlier this week that teams believe that J.D. Martinez is available. How much are they offering up Martinez? Are they actively shopping him? Uh, from what I understand, they made it clear that he is available. Uh, are they pushing to make a trade? I don't, I, you know, that's not the sense that I make. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, you go back to the roster construction when this all settles that, you know, they, I think part of the reason why they're doing that is because let's face it, when you have someone who basically is locked into the DH spot, that means that, you know, other guys who might be better suited for that spot or maybe need a day. Uh, to rest an aggy injury, that's not really available to them. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, I actually heard back in June that they were making it clear that they're willing to talk about Martinez, whether they were in the race or not. Um, so I don't know how much they're pushing it or as opposed to, you know, looking for opportunities. You know, the Benintendi trade with the Yankees, uh, and Benintendi is, you know, at this point, a better player than J.D. because he's uh, he plays in the field, he's a good defender, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're not going to get a huge haul in return for J.D. and he's making a lot more money than Ben Attendee is. So I don't know if they'll actually pull the trigger on something. And I know Sam Kennedy and I Bloom were out earlier this week and saying, make signaling, look, we haven't talked at all about trading Bogarts. We're not even thinking about trading, you know, Devers. My question about Bogarts would be, why not? Like, if you – we know this. Their contract talks in the spring, they were so far apart that uh, there was no chance that they were going to sign him in the spring. Um, I, they're not close, based on that number, to where you're probably going to need uh, to spend to sign him in the wintertime. And if you're not close to signing him and your team is you know, now, what, seventh among teams chasing a wild card spot in the American League, why wouldn't you be out there in the marketplace seeing if you can get more for Bogarts? I, I, you know, my question would be, if you really are keeping Bogarts for the rest of this year to improve the chances of trying to sign him in the offseason, then make your move now. Make the big offer that you feel like you're, you're willing to make in the offseason. If he says no, then you move him because you get more value than just a draft pick compensation. Buster, I'll get you out of here on this great weekend in Cooperstown. Big Poppy inducted into the Hall of Fame. Also, ESPN's Tim Kirchin, a guy that you obviously know well, and I saw you write some nice words about him at ESPN.com, and I've talked to, to Tim multiple times on the radio before. My question for you is, have you ever thought about what it would be like for yourself to get into the Hall of Fame? No. I mean, I think it's someone like Peter Gammons who, you know, uh, it, 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 to me is the, the greatest baseball writer ever. You know, and he's a good friend, and, you know, he's someone who's been honored. Jason Stark is a legend. Uh, Tim is a legend. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it's not even, I'm not even in that conversation. So, no, I haven't, I haven't thought about it. Well, 
I'm sure it's going to happen. You're modest, but I'll say it for you. I'm sure it's going to happen, and I'll be excited for you the day that it does. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you again when it happens, whether it's next year or in 10 years. I don't care. We're going to talk about it, Buster. So, Buster. Yeah, you don't have to. No no point in wasting any breath. <laughs> but I appreciate it, Brady. <laughs> Thanks so much, Buster. We'll talk next week, and we'll see how different the Red Sox look seven days from now. Yeah, there goes Buster Only, our ESPN MLB insider. And, and based on what I said at the beginning of the show, I think the Red Sox should look a lot different by the time that I speak with Buster next week. I, I think the Red Sox should go nearly full sell mode. I wouldn't trade the guys who are under team control. I wouldn't go as far. I wouldn't trade a Nick Pavetta. I wouldn't trade I wouldn't trade Duran now. I think that's more of an off-season move. I think Dahlbeck is more of an off-season move. I don't think that either of those guys have a whole lot of value right now either. Eh, Duran might. Dahlbeck doesn't. But I think those are more off-season moves. I wouldn't trade the Pavettas of the world. Um, you know, I, I still believe in him here. He's got a couple years left of team control. But I would trade JD. i trade Evaldi. I'd trade all those guys who are veterans on one-year contracts. Um, and Buster's being modest. Buster's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Okay, Buster only is going to get into the Hall of Fame. He's going to get the, you know into the writer's wing there. Buster is a stud, has been for a long time, covered the game here for 30-plus years. He is going to get to the Hall of Fame. I don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to happen. You can tell. I don't think it's something that Buster's thinking about, but all of his friends, his mentors, they've all gotten in. Buster's going to be excited when it happens for him too. Um Strong stuff from Bo- from Buster on Bogarts there. Again, I think we can get to more of this stuff early next week when we have full shows. But uh, you know, Buster, very opinionated on what the Red Sox should be doing with Xander Bogarts as far as either make him an offer or let him go. We'll see what they do. I think they should hold on to Bogarts. They've said they want to hold on to Bogarts. And they have no intention to trade him. We'll see how it actually plays out. It is the Brady Farkas Show here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball coming up about 10 minutes from now. We'll step aside. We'll get a national news update from CBS News, and then we'll come back. I read something today on the Red Sox that just infuriates me. I'll tell you what that was. That's next right here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. 96.1 WDEV FM Warren, 96.5 W243 AT Berry, 98.3 W252 CU Montpelier, AM550 WDEV Waterbury. Your chance to be part of the show is on the text line at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV. This is a Thursday, as always. We talk with Buster only, so thanks very much to Buster for stopping by. Again, I want to get to more of Buster's comments coming up early next week. Provided the Red Sox have not traded Xander Bogarts by the time we get on the air on Monday, I'd like to address what Buster had to say about Bogarts, because, again, pretty strong in his thoughts. We are about five minutes away from Red Sox baseball. Sox getting ready for the Cleveland Guardians in Game 4, that four-game set. I want to say this. I hate people who are hypocrites, and I also hate people who fail to see both sides of an argument. I saw an article from a writer at WEI in Boston this morning that said last night's Red Sox game represents all of what Chaim Bloom has done wrong. And of course, he means the Red Sox not having an adequate first baseman, thus Franchi Cordero having multiple errors and costing the Red Sox multiple runs. I have I was doing a deep dive on my love for Chaim Bloom today before the show. 
And I think it's less that I love High and Bloom, and it's more about me feeling the need to push back on everyone who thinks that he's all bad. I do like High and Bloom. I reckon there have been some whiffs, right? There have been some moves that haven't worked out. There have been some moves that were head scratchers to me too. I didn't like the Renfro for JBJ trade. We talked about that, you know, in in December before the lockout hit. So I, I don't. I'm not an apologist for High and Bloom on every front. I like him more than most of you do, but I think I feel this intense need to beat back articles like this because people fail to recognize both sides of the argument. I always say. Two things can be true at once, and people don't seem to realize that. If you're going to tell me the things that Haim Bloom has done wrong, and there are some, right? Hansel Robles was bad this year. Uh, Matt Andrees was not good last year. Jake Diekman hasn't been good. So there are moves that haven't worked out. But if you're going to tell me all of that and paint me that negative picture, please, for the life of me, give me the other side. Haim Bloom found Garrett Whitlock off the scrap heap. He's invaluable to this team. He found John Schreiber off the scrap heap. Invaluable to this team. Rob Snyder, Christian Arroyo, Kike last year, you were all praising his deal. Adam Adovino last year was huge for this team. That was a high and bloom special. Nick Pavetta has been a huge part of what they do. He was a huge, that trade was a huge coup with the Phillies. They held on to Christian Vasquez when some people thought that they wouldn't, and Vasquez has had a great year. Waka was excellent at points before getting hurt. I mean, you love the farm system with, with Marcelo Meyer and, and Nick York. Like, High and Bloom has built that up to a large degree. So, again, it's not even that I love High and Bloom. It's that I hate reading articles like that because High and Bloom gets painted as this guy who is frugal and has done nothing for the Red Sox. It's not true. It's just not true. You all love Whitlock. You all love Schreiber. You all recognize how big Ref Snyder's been. Give Bloom credit for those things. And also, while you're at it, recognize that last night was never the plan. Franchi Cordero, full-time first baseman, was not the plan. The Sox didn't do enough at first. I would have brought Schwarber back. I told you that. But Arroyo could have been an option at first. He's hurt. Devers is hurt, which forces Dahlbeck to third and not first. Tristan Cassis has been hurt a bunch this year, and he's not ready to come up. Those things might all have been more desirable outcomes than Franchi playing first like he has. Dahlbeck definitely, Cassis definitely, and maybe, just maybe Arroyo. So recognize that... Through circumstance, Franchi Cordero has had to play first base as much as he had has had to recently. It was not the plan. So when I read last night's proof of everything High and Bloom has done wrong, that's just not true. High and Bloom has not done everything wrong. He has done a lot right, and if you're going to acknowledge one, acknowledge the other. That is all I'm asking. I like High and Bloom. I like him more than you do, most of you at least. But I can see both sides of the argument when a lot of people can't. No time for Red Sox lineups. We're out. Sox Guardians. Go Sox. See you tomorrow.